0: Hooray. Right. Welcome back to the Noob Sparrow podcast. You're in for a treat this week. It's a Will Brunker Aqua Gat in the house. Uh, mate, last week was fantastic. We got some awesome feedback on the Forest Galante episode. If you haven't listened to that already, by all means do so. Uh, but this week we're spoiled. It's, uh, it's a Sydney cider. He makes funky and functional spear guns. Apparently, the most functional and funky spear guns on the planet. He's a super cool and lively dude. His Instagram is like really great, particularly if you've got an eye towards sort of art, uh, innovation, and you love spear guns, you geek out on it. Check him out. It's aquagat.speargun.art. He does some really cool stuff and very engaging on there as well. He's a really cool guy, Will Brunker. So, we're going to get into that in just two shakes of a lamb's tail. Wanted to to do a massive shout out to the patron listeners. We've got 50 patron listeners powering this podcast, keeping fuel in the Noob Spiro outboard, and uh, powering this boat. Um, if you're having a dry spell. And, you you know, like you're appreciating the podcast, I'd be honoured if you jump on at patreon.com forward slash and support the podcast on an episode-by-episode episode basis. Join more than 50 legends doing that already. Also, guys, if you want to get more involved in some podcasts, um, you're more than welcome to share lessons learned, gear reviews, um, scary moments, fantastic uh, froth-filled moments, whatever you like, really. Uh, I'd love to share them on the podcast if you want to do so. We haven't, I haven't had one for a while, actually. So go to Noobspiro.com and head up into the menu, find the Noob Stories section. You can leave a voice message up to three minutes. I'd love to include it in the podcast. Um, honestly, short and sweet is great with a powerful lesson learned. I love it, and it's great to keep in touch and build that community with you guys. And uh, thank you for the awesome thing that we are doing here at the Noobspiro. Hey, let's get into it. Will Brunker, AquaGap. Adreno.com.au, the home of recipes, blogs, videos, equipment reviews, and an obnoxiously large range of spearfishing equipment for frothers like you. Not only that, but spearfishing trips and courses courses and trips that i sometimes get to go on check them out at adreno.com.au it's a spiro's best friend check them out and if you want to buy gear pump in the code noobspero to save 20 dollars on every purchase over 200 you can use that online in store use the code noobspero save some cash and support the Spiro podcast shop with adreno.com.au neptonics was founded in 1996 making trigger mechs in a barn in the santa cruz mountains solid gear that works was their founding principle and it still rings true today in every pull of a neptonics trigger in every snap of a neptonics band and in every whiz of a neptonics spear gun reel singing with the power of another big fish got a great deal you can use the code noob10 to save 10 percent off anything and everything at neptonics.com it's solid gear that works equipment you can rely on save 10 percent off any order at neptonics.com when you use the code noob10 G'day, Name no Spirit Community. Welcome to the podcast today. We're at Sport. We've got Will Brunker here from Aquagat, and uh, it comes on the back of a recommendation from Jason. I'm just going to read it out because I. This is if you want to write me a guest recommendation, this is a real a really good model to use because I've got like 170 people on my list. So I want to like a clear value proposition for you guys, the listeners. So Jason did it really well here. He said, "I know you probably have an overwhelming list of guests for the show." Um, as you mentioned in the last episode, but have you ever looked at talking with Will from Aquagat Spearguns in in Sydney? I reckon he'd be such an unreal guest to geek out on about spearguns, but in an innovative way, not just a boring run-of-the-mill way. Um, I've been following his journey along for a while now, and he's trying to do... Things a little different with his designs and in house handmade gun parts. He records daily for his socials and talks through all the new innovations and processes he works through with his guns. So he'd be a really easy to speak with on a podcast. I highly recommend him. And that so that was Jace. That's how you write cool. a guest recommendation. He is, but did a good job. So massive chat for even you there, Will. For
1: that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even pay him a cent for
0: that. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have to give him a spear gun now or something. <laughs> you're have to, mate. What a, oh,
1: what kind words! I really appreciate that. Thanks, Jay. Really appreciate it. And um, and thanks, Shrek, for having me on.
0: No worries. Well, it's a, it's, it's a bloody pleasure, mate. And after going through your, like it, you know, like even in our little sport, in our little lifestyle spearfishing, like there's still a lot of people to get around and talk to. And I love chatting with people that make really cool shit. Uh, for our sport and for the people that love it and froth out on it. And uh, after sort of catching up on some of your socials over the last day or so and chatting with you yesterday, I've become highly intrigued and I really like what you're up to down there.
1: Oh, man, I, I really, um, really appreciate that because there's, when you just said down there, that does, you know, for those that don't know, you're a Queenslander, I'm a New South Welshman, so it proves <laughs> that <laughs> we cross the border. <laughs> um, there's, there's no beef.
2: Um, no, you're
1: I really appreciate that man. Um yeah, that, that's sort of what we what what I'm here to do, I guess. Um yeah. shake things up a little bit, do things a bit differently. Um you know, I thought perhaps it was a little boring. Like, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. There was some there's a lot of stuff out there, but um I thought uh, there's definitely room for some things to be done a little bit differently. So yeah
0: I, I love it. You you um you're a, a real sort of guy that's reimagined a lot of elements. Looking at some of the stuff you've built, it's very clean, very contemporary. I love how you've integrated a lot of colour into it. It's very bright and functional. You don't just stick to one medium. You're working with carbon fibre. You're working with timber. Um, are you working with aluminium barrels as well, or uh, what's your sort of your... Uh, yes. Yes,
1: yep. yes, yes. I'm just about to launch a um, an entry-level product yep. um, with an alloy barrel, and... Um... And I'll show you a couple of the things that um, we're working on and, and have got lined up. But um, yeah, alloy, um, uh, yeah, a, a wide body alloy barrel is uh, is
0: next up, man. Love it. And there's a few companies that are already doing it and finding ways to sort of mass produce it too. Like, because I mean, everyone's sort of moved away. Well, I don't know. If everyone's moved away. There seems to be a move from the sort of the classic sort of round stock barrels now and uh, pipe guns to these more molded type. Um, fixtures as well. I guess manufacturing processes are getting better, so people are able to mass produce it. But you're really sticking to one-off stuff. You're making most of your stuff, your components as well, in-house, I believe.
1: Everything's done here. Um, Obviously, I bring in some of the stocks. So the carbon stocks I bring in and the alloy stocks I bring in. I've had them designed and made to my tight specs. Yep. Um, And then, like, for example, the timber guns are all built from just, like, you know, a block of rosewood, for example. Um yeah, everything everything else is done by hand. So the components, um, the going back to the beginning, mm. um, grips. Grips was the thing that did it for me. So, you know, anybody can build a timber spear, or really, anybody can build a timber spear gun. It's not that difficult. Um, but and and I was one of those that just built a timber spear gun at the at the beginning of the journey. And um what I found was the biggest Sort of blocker in terms of being creative was that you had to buy a, a grip, and you didn't really have like there was no way you could learn how to make a grip or as such or or design or build your own grip. So that like that really intrigued me because I wanted to customize the grip for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. So then I went down this long, long process to to get to where we are today with um you know various mediums of polyurethane, silicon, casting. Um, and now I can produce a part to water based on a customer request. Color-wise, we can shape, we can reshape, um, we can, you know, use all of those things we've learned over the past sort of ten plus years yeah. of doing this um, to to make a, a very very custom part. Okay. So yeah, now like if if a customer orders, you know, for example, the biggest seller for us is the roller gap, which is a carbon barrel um, roller gun based yep. on you know, my, my design, um, and they're all built to order. So, like, if I get an order today, um, I'll view that order. I'll go about creating the parts today and tomorrow. Um, assembly will be the day after or the day after that, mm. and then it's shipped off. Oh, wow. And the communication to the customer is is that that, you know, I don't know, they, want, um, they might want, you know, I don't know if you can see the colour, but they might, like, want
2: yeah, like, yeah. one
1: orange roller and one fluoro green roller,
0: okay? No worries. We can do whatever you want, man. Yeah. That's cool. I I wanted to say, like, straight off the bat, like, I love the name of your brand. Like, if I was ever going to invent a spear gun, I always thought I'd do a playoff, like, firearms, contemporary, like, land-based firearms. And, you know, Aqua, we're in the water, and Gat, you know, there's that cool slang term for gun. You've put them together, and you've come up with a very funky – like it's a it's a super cool brand when you have a bit of a think about it. I mean, it's it's simple, but it's just I, I like it. And uh, it seems like with the handles you're talking about, you've very much tried to borrow um, some of the ideas. Like I think you say, like your custom handle there, that it's based off a of Glock. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So so going back on the name, um, I'm a I'm a hip hop head. Like I'm an early '90s hip hop head. That's what I that's <laughs> where I grew up. I um. You know, my formative years have spent, um, you know, without saying too much. But we uh, we decorated a lot of um, uh, property. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, and the cool and the cool thing about hip hop is, uh, and what hip hop taught me is, you know, like the foundation of hip hop is um is creativity. Mm. So there's there's like these four elements to hip hop. You know, graffiti, graffiti art. That is um, DJing, MCing, um, and music production, dance. Um, Break dancing, yep. and but but having said all of that, those elements are all based on k- being creative. So mm. that's where, like, after I moved out of, um, you know, doing a lot of graffiti and painting and stuff, still paint with the boys occasionally. But I had this, like, you know, I'm still a hip hop head. So the, the the term "gap" is is used extensively in hip yeah. hop in, in re- reference to a gun. And people like you get it. Yeah. Some people they like who who haven't listened to hip hop or just don't don't get it. That's cool. They just they just don't get it. Yeah. But I love it when someone gets it because yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> it. gap. It. Like
2: it's so simple.
0: Yeah, it it, so, it's, it just makes you sit there and pause for a sec. Like I, I have some of the same issues maybe you have. I'm like I'm trying to talk with another company. Maybe I'm ordering something and they're like, noob, Spiro. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. And I'm like, well, clearly it's not a brand for everyone. <laughs> but
1: uh, yeah, you, you, that's what you got to say. Yeah, no, yeah. you know what? Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, don't
0: worry about it. It's all good. And then like, yeah. I can break it down and explain it. And um, I think it's cool when you're you're. You know, like your brand says something, and it's actually it identifies some of your, your values, and there's a bit of a story behind it. it. Sounds like that's very much the same with you with the formation of Aquagate. And um, mm. how long have you been doing this?
1: So, I guess unofficially, probably 14 ish years. Yeah. Um. Was, was the the beginning my entry to um. Entry to spearfishing was, like, later in life than, than most spearos. How old are you now? Um, I always, so I'm almost 40. I'm 39.
0: Oh, yeah. So, same gonna be, as me. I'm gonna be 40. I, I turned 40 into last year, so we're about the same age. Legend. So you got Legend. into it sort Legend. of mid-20s, eh? In your mid-20s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So probably later than most, you know, like a lot of a lot of the guys I spear with, they've been spearing, like, with their fathers and stuff, you know, or, like, with their cousins and stuff from really young age. Um, I wasn't like that, unfortunately, but I, I always wanted to spearfish. It was yeah. something that, like, grabbed me. Um, and um, I used to be a fishmonger, so I used to sell, you know, high-end seafood into restaurants all across Australia. Um, so I had, like, this knowledge of seafood, and, and through that seafood business, um, I was doing some business with a guy named Adam Giatra, um, oh, yeah. and he's down. Yeah, oh, yeah, Adam, Adji, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolute legend. Um so he, one day he, like, I think I was, like, putting some fish onto the back of his truck. I was working for a business at the time. We were selling fish. And I opened the doors on the truck, and uh, the, the business was called Bay Marlins down in Batemans Bay. Yeah. Open, opened the doors to put on, like, I don't know, four or five boxes of flathead or whatever it was, and there's all his spearfishing gear lying in the back of the truck. <laughs> I was like, I was like, holy shit, Eddie, tell me the story. So he was such a legend, man. I was still really tight with Addy, and oh, so- he just said, dude, come down come for a spear so my introduction to spear fishing was late um, but I immediately saw that um, what was on the market wasn't what I wanted to use you know mm-hmm. having absolutely no idea of like, how <laughs> I don't know that's just like that's just a little bit boring I think I could do something cool yeah,
2: um, yeah
1: and that was the introduction so I kind of you know to cut a long story short I then um, you know, had these ideas about how it could be done or how I would try to do it, and I started an Instagram page. Mm. Um, and I don't know, like it was the first Instagram page I'd ever started, um, and it was just kind of to document the journey. Yeah. But people were into it. People were giving me advice. They were saying, oh, you know, try this, try that. Um, you know, we like this. Why don't you do that? And just sort of evolved to the point where I realised that there was more than just me out there thinking, oh, shit, this could be done better. This could be done differently. Um, this could be improved. Um, we could take that concept and maybe evolve it to here. Yeah. Um, and so this is this is where it's at now. So this is um, we're now I'm now in the second year of doing this full time. Oh wow! So I left my yeah awesome. yeah I left left the um left the seafood job um sort of midway through that first wave of COVID.
0: I'm mad. That's a um, that's a crazy step to take, particularly at that sort of time. Like um.
1: Oh. It was, it, it was absolutely crazy but it was it was like it had to be done. Yeah. Um it was there's a and a backstory to that um is that um so I'm a father of three children. Yeah. Um and I have my like I'm a full time dad. Yeah. So I have the, the kids like hundred percent of the time with me. Yeah. So um in that it's very hard to obviously you know raise three children and have a job where you have to be at an office or like yeah. at a fish market at a certain hour. So I was doing a lot of the work remotely, but, um, as you know, businesses change and more, they kind of wanted me in the office a bit more. And I said, you know what, actually it doesn't work. Um, I'm, I'm a full-time dad. That's my number one job. Um, and I'm selling spear guns on the side. Actually, I think if I push the spear gun thing, it could maybe pay my bills. Um, so <laughs> I took a leap of faith, <laughs> like a fucking like big leap of faith. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, here we are just, uh, it's it's a it's a constant evolution you
0: know um long game long yep. game yeah mate it's it's uh it's impressive what you've done and what you've built so hats off to you and and, and good on you for just freaking having a crack man I, I i respect that like people um you know like i think a lot of us you know we get, we can get caught in these cycles with with jobs and work and stuff and meeting the responsibilities mm. and like actually sort of having a crack at doing something yourself is, is, is hard. It takes balls, but you're also you, your own worst boss as well because like oh, no, I can't no, agree more. no one will make you work as hard as you make yourself work. And if you've got an overdeveloped sense of responsibility, which a lot of business owners have, then it can be yeah. a, bit, a bit hell. How have you managed to balance out um, keeping the family life good Go and spare and, and then still having fun in your business, and and and, and achieving yeah, the results you want to.
1: It's a really good point you make, um, Shrek, because I think life is more way more about um, experiences and and lifestyle and culture than it is um, banking dollars. So for me, if I'm if I'm making enough, or if the business is making enough um, to pay the bills, obviously I'm very very driven, and and I pushed really hard at that. But I'm not going to um, lock myself in the lab and be a hermit um, at the expense of, you know, spending quality time with my children, mm-hmm. um, just to make more money. Do you know what I mean? It's all—it's all about. This is I'm here because of my children, um, and so it's a holistic approach. You know, we spend so much time together, and we then, you know every every moment of the day they're up they're like my workshop is downstairs in the house yeah so when when they come home from school i hear their little feet running around i know they're mm-hmm. home i go and touch base with to them i make sure they're doing their homework with any luck and they never do they just play <laughs> minecraft and <laughs> roblox or whatever it is they want to do so i gotta i gotta juggle that and i hear from the teachers occasionally and yep. you know it's like any parent will tell you it's a it's a juggling act yep. um but but yeah the goal is to yeah sure like Grow the business and it's growing. It, it, we're pushing hard, but um, but never, you know, forget why why I'm here and why I'm doing this because I could easily just – I've had so many calls to go back into the seafood game and make, you know, tons more money, but then I wouldn't be here. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's the point?
0: Good on you, man. So, yeah. People call yeah. that the golden handcuffs too, like when you've got a trade or a skill. Um, you know, it's never more profitable to chase your passion initially. Like, I think in the long run, maybe it can pay off, but um, in the short term, mm. often you, we sacrifice, you know, careers that pay quite well to do what it is what we're trying to do and achieve, so good on you, man. Um, yeah, absolutely. What does spearing look like for you these days? So where where are you based?
1: So I'm in Sydney, so I'm in the North Shore of Sydney, so I'm probably about 15 or so, i oh know about 10 minutes from the local boat ramp, which is um, Bob and Head, but it, I never used that boat ramp. From there, you can steam... Um, down the Haw- so that's the Hawkesbury River. You can steam down the Hawkesbury um, through places like Flint and Steel, um, which are like really good line fishing spots, but 30 for diving. Yep. Um, you can do a bit of diving in the river, but it's, you know, it's river diving flatties and, and brim or whatever. Yep. Um, you can steam outside and you're basically on a central coast then. So I do that occasionally, but more often than not, I just drive to the city um, and I launch at Rose Bay. Yep. And from Rose Bay, you're like, you know, 10 minutes to the head. So you can either... A left and go have a look at all the, the northern beaches. Um, you know, predominantly you've got um long reef, uh, bluefish, all those headlands, yep. and then if you swing a right, you'd go across to um the Maddens or to Bondi or Malabar, Maroubra. Okay, um, and then obviously this time of year we've got the fads, so like I'm big into the fads um, at this time of year, yep. So, um, we'll, we'll shoot out to the fads. Um, I've got some really really cool guys we're diving with. Um, who have uh, some pretty cool stats set up? Oh, nice! Um, and I'm not naming any names yeah. but specifically because you know um, we don't play the political game. Because <laughs> I, I learned really quickly that um, man, the, the politics in spearfishing and in club spearfishing are like, whoa, man! Why? I'm not, I'm, what? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it, man. It's like. Oh, I don't know. Right. Everyone wants to protect their own spot, I guess.
0: That um, protecting spots yeah. is is fantastic. Like, I cannot fault people for doing that. And people with bad ethics and bad morals, I, I get why they get slandered and, and abused. But sometimes some of the politics just seems pathetic. I'll be honest. I I, I, yeah. I I've really tried to, like, mix with people from. The two major governing bodies and play no favourites with regards to um, who I get on the show or whatever. Like, and I, I definitely yeah. don't want to get involved in it. It Sounds like you've made the same step.
1: I've done the exact same thing because I've got like you yeah. know I'm I'm a I'm a producer, so I can't really I shouldn't really affiliate myself with um with any one club specifically because it just could preclude you from yeah. meeting or diving with other people. And I'm all about integration and i try to get along with everyone i thought i'd like to try to take that that attitude i learned from seafood where you like i'd cold call in on a chef right like and, and they've got no time for you but within a matter of months you're like super tight with this guy mm-hmm. you know you're at like family barbecues and stuff like this is this is what i think we should you know as a as a, as a community and what you're doing in respect to that is awesome because it's it's a community and we should all be getting along and you know sounds very holistic and Maybe a bit hippie-ish, but let's nah, all just have fine. some more love, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I, I, yeah. I very much like the the Joe Rogan sort of shtick where it's, you know, like just, you know, we could all do being a bit more kind towards one another, you oh, know? Like,
1: I, I can't agree more. I oh. can't agree more. There's often <laughs> attitude just attitude and ego play these, these huge parts, I think, in a lot of people's lives. And I think the quicker you learn to drop that bullshit, the quicker you'll learn how much easier life can be and nicer.
0: Yeah, yeah. The rising tide too, like um, if we're all learning and growing, like, you know, like when you go to – when I went to start of jiu-jitsu a few years ago, like it's very much like that rising tide mentality, like just because someone's awesome, they don't treat the new guys like shit and they still really like yeah. – like it's like everyone's got this attitude that, hey, I was where you were and – you know, like, the, but there's never any superiority either. The guy might have been rolling five times, you know, a week for three I love years, that. and he, and the, I love that and, you know, and you you've just walked in the door, and 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 they show you a couple of things like, and I think sometimes Spearing could borrow a few of those cultural ideas from things like jujitsu because sometimes it's like, I don't, maybe competition, but you can't even say competition brings the worst out in people, but yeah, I don't know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I guess maybe because a lot of us are solo hunting type alpha-type personalities that are, are very sort of like risk-tolerant? I don't know. I don't know if it's got something to do with well, our personality types.
1: I learned a lot about um, that kind of mentality in um, in the graffiti scene, didn't you? Like growing up in my late teens, like early, early sort of mid-teens to mid-20s, like as a, as a, as a start, starting off, you're never any good. Like no one's any good. But yeah. there's always like, oh, you know, you might have some art skill, but you have to learn the whole the whole ropes of, of, of the scene and there's always like guys who are, you know, like the epitome of, you know, like in any sport, like they're, they're the most famous, they, they've got their name everywhere. Um, and I just remember really clearly like meeting some of my graffiti idols as like a teenager and they were just fucking cool, like really cool dudes. And I were like, just come for a paint. And I remember being mind blown, like you want to paint with me? yeah, You know, like that meant so much to like a, yeah. a young chipper at that time to come up and be like, Wow, what a cool, what a cool thing. Like, yeah. We should
0: learn from that. There are some cool dudes like that. Like I was chatting with this young fellow from Sydney a couple of weeks back, and he was telling me how he met Simon Tripp on the rocks, you know, Joy Gibbons. and uh, Yeah. And Simon Tripp's, you know, like very, very well-known and very well-regarded Spiro, very experienced. Yeah. And he's just taking him under his wing, you know. And it does happen in Spiro cool. as well. So I'm not just pure negativity, but um, more of that, I reckon, more of that, I'm with you. Um. Mm. So what early lessons for you, like um, big stuff that um, surprised you maybe about spearing, some some big learnings. What did you struggle with?
1: Um, with spearing, the, the biggest thing for me is um, I'm not a natural freediver. Um, so it can, you know, some people have it and some people, I think I'm in the boat, I just don't, I'm not naturally gifted in the water. I've got to work really hard, man. Like I get contractions from the top. I like to take <laughs> a breath, of my contractions are starting. So I've got to like... My, mentally, I've really got a power through that. So um, I did. Um, I did a freediving course, obviously. Yeah. Did that help? Um, that was with Craig. Yeah, it did, man. Yeah, Craig Shepherd at um, at Obsession Dive. He's oh, nice. Been, he's he's helped me from the beginning with all of that. Um, him and his wife Jaz are actually awesome people. Okay. Like the salt of the earth, awesome people. I can't um rate them highly enough. They they really they showed me a lot. Obviously, I did the course with Craig. He's a freediving instructor, and um that really helped me because it like. It got my me- – because, you know, obviously like you dive to 20 metres by the end of the two days and, you know, just to hit that point was like for me um, a bit of a, um, a mind unwalker. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, actually I can dive to 20 metres. It was all in – it's all in the head. Like we know it's all in the head. Mm. Um, so that, that's probably the biggest thing for me um, is and, – and still like the, the breath hold work. I, I do work on the breath hold stuff occasionally admittedly though, I don't do any free dive training and it's, and I, I'm completely, um, sorry, I should back up as <laughs> a spearo, yep. I'm a really good gun builder. <laughs> How about that? That'll, yeah. that'll, that'll, that'll not about. I'm an okay Spearow. You know, I can do the dives, but, um, I'm not, I'm not elite. Like a lot of my mates are and I learn a lot from my mates and you know, like anything, the more you dive, the more you get out, the more comfortable you get. Um, hundred percent. So yeah, pretty good. Pretty, pretty happy out there, but I
0: could definitely be, definitely, definitely improve. So with the dry training apps, the hardest thing about any of them is they, it seems to be very difficult to maintain a consistent practice. And the other problem with them is the performance you get in dry training apps do not directly correlate to like spearfishing. They're sort of two different yeah. things. But have you, but and saying that, like, have you had some success with them?
1: Yeah, I have. So I've I've done various um, various you know things over the years, and you know, like I think, of my my PB breath hold was like four and a half minutes, right? Yeah. So like that's a, that's a static breath hold, but um, like you said, it just the, the the physiology changes when you're in the water. So and that for me, that's all about just being comfortable at depth. Yeah. So being comfortable at ten meters, being comfortable at fifteen meters, because you know you can do the breath hold, but you have to you know try to um. So yeah, sorry. I have had success with with breath hold training. Yeah. Um, but I do need to do more. To be honest, if I was going to do like if I was going to do a liverboard or a trip like that, I think I'd definitely dedicate, say, maybe eight weeks or or thereabouts to just pool training um, and and free diving, just making sure that you know you get the most out of it. Because mm. I'm I'm aware that you know if I went out on a on a dive trip now, I'd, I probably wouldn't do as well as I would if I otherwise did some training. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so saying that, we've, we've just talked about freediving, which is something you're not good at. Um, uh, uh, one thing that a lot of spearers are not good at, and we've all got weaknesses, we've all got strengths, right? Even the guys that are epic are working on stuff all the time. Um, some guys that are weak in freediving obviously want to get in the pool and spend a little bit of extra time and energy developing that side of it, working on their technique and, uh, and slowly, steadily improving that. Another side of it is spear gun accuracy, And me personally, I can be atrocious at times. I have had more success in more recent years because I've been spearing a bit more and I've used a consistent um, sort of uh, setup, you know, and and that's made a big difference. I also have gone in and done some enclosed water, you know, target shooting and stuff, which also seemed to make a difference and taught me about all of my spear guns. Um, Is that something you recommend to people? Yeah, I I
1: definitely recommend... Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence. Like I I would not recommend highly enough getting in the pool and learning your gun before you go out into the ocean. Like you should do that. Um, or at least do it, do it in the shallows, do some target practice in the shallows just so you have a a, a basic idea of what's happening. Um, so I'm at the, personally, when I, when I take a gun to go testing, uh, now I've, I've built like, you know, like I'll have a design concept, for example, if it's a completely new, design concept, then I will take it to the pool and I'll do some testing. But otherwise I love nothing more than taking it to the ocean and testing it in the field because yeah, accuracy is awesome, right? Like if you lie on the bottom of a pool and you're absolutely still and you're pinning a target, that's great, right? That'll teach you a bit about your gun, but it won't teach you anything about um, environment Mm. um, and it won't teach you about moving. Like obviously like currents play a big role. Mm. Fish moving play a big role. Um, and obviously then, then you've got the hunting, like where, where are you shooting? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, know where your gun is going to shoot, but I love nothing more man, than getting in the water tracking with a new gun and, and, and using it as if a brand new Spiro, like or a brand new customer was going to grab that gun. Cause I, 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 I want that gun to fire exactly as it does to me for them. Yeah. So, um, Sometimes you can be really harsh on yourself. Sometimes you just have, and the other thing is, as, as you'd all know, some days you just shoot like shit. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, like you go back, you go, so I've always got my GoPro and I've got it on the slowest, um, frame, well, the, the, the highest frame setting, so I can really slow those um, clips back. I'm, I'm huge on that. Like I probably don't take a shot with my gun without filming it. Oh, wow. Um, with any gun. And I'm always, always, always reviewing footage. Always, always, always. Um, because Sometimes you just shoot like shit, and yeah. like you, your gun was in the right place, but you or your, you know, it shot the into the right space that it should, have but you were just not in the right spot. You know, you just weren't aiming that gun correctly. Mm-hmm. So that that one can be a bit, bit of a, bit of a tricky one sometimes yeah. when you're testing a new gun.
0: Hundred percent. Do you, do you sort of um, we talked about this the school of thought, you know, where there's basically two types of shooters. Like you've got guys that line up everything down the barrel and they very conscientious about how they, how they sort of aim and scope a fish and then you've got other people that just pretty much just triangulate and it's more of an intuitive feel style of shooting. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Maybe it's never, you know, that distinction is a false dichotomy. Maybe, maybe there's, there's more to it than that and it's somewhere in between both of those styles that we actually operate. What's your, what's your, what, what's your thought process around how people aim?
1: Um, But I think it's all about being um, comfortable and at one with the gun. And I think most people would say that, you know, you take a gun out of the box um, and I'll take like a new gun that I built and I'll be looking right down the barrel um, and watching what happens. And then as you get more and more comfortable and you know where that gun is going to shoot with accuracy or with, with consistent accuracy... Then you, then that at that point, like I can take, for example, my, my favorite gun is to use um, to use is my inverter, um, which will which I'll be launching soon, oh, wow. um, and that that you can like, I, I'm I'm really confident with that gun now, and I don't think I'm probably looking down the shaft as much as I would once have. I just know where that shaft is going to land, um, and I feel comfortable, more and more comfortable with just shooting instinctively. Um, but I probably probably would be more of the look down the barrel, look down the shaft um, in general, mm. in general, yeah.
0: This might be a silly question. Um, if someone gets in the water with a brand-new gun and it's unfamiliar to platforms that they've been uh, comfortable with in the past, how, mm. h- how long – what's a reasonable expectation um, – them to adjust to it? How many hours in the water or how many shots do they have to take before zero, you think about that?
1: They- zero. I, I, I'm a firm believer of zero because I think if you have to think your shots through, your gun is not right. It's yep. not either not right or it's not right for you. Okay. Um, and I always say that to my customers if, like, if they have any issues with accuracy, so what? you know, like we all develop, you know, more and more powerful guns, but what's power without accuracy? Accuracy has to be. The forefront of any gun builder's um, design process. Um, so I'm a huge fan of enclosed track guns for that reason. You should be able to take that gun, and you might not feel comfortable at the beginning, but it should shoot exactly where you're aiming it. Um, I don't think there's. I, I my, my personal opinion is I don't think that you should have to. You sh- you shouldn't have to tune yourself to the gun.
2: Okay.
1: I don't I don't I don't think. Okay. So I like what I like to do is um like with my spiromance and I got more and more like mates now who are like really cool with me in terms of like I'll just give them a new gun and go just tell me be great back. Um and sometimes I think they're pissing me in my pocket. I'm like, don't tell me it's shot amazingly and accurate and with crazy power if it didn't. Because those those are my words. That's what I that's that's how I speak in, you know, marketing language when I'm that, that that's based on my experience and all the work i've done don't use those words right yeah. i'm like along the way when people or even customers they're like dude this shot like a laser this yeah. is really really like reaffirms me okay yeah we're actually doing something um right here
0: Learn from the best. Adam Stern's courses at freedivingfamily.com are written and presented by some of the world's best freedivers and most experienced instructors. Lessons learned come from years of freediving and teaching at the highest levels and are now condensed and available for everyone. Go to freedivingfamily.com use the code SPIRO and you get 20% off any course. Now there's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel, Hands-Free Equalization, there's Mouthful and Deep Frenzel Equalization, even by finning Essentials. Get that finning technique right. It's the one percenters that make the difference in spearing and allow you to have more time on the bottom and you feel better even doing it. Go to freedivingfamily.com and use the code Spiro to get 20% off any course. Adam Stearns Courses at freedivingfamily.com.
3: I just love a functional and simple spear gun that I can trust when I pull the trigger. Killshot Spear Guns utilize the finest of kiln-dried Burmese teak. Killshot Spear Guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust. Fish after fish. Get thirty dollars off any Killshot Spear Gun at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's thirty dollars off. American-made performance spear guns. At KillshotSpearGuns.com. I'm really sorry for this terrible accent. Brought to you by Eric Martin at KillshotSpearGuns.com. The struggle is real sometimes
0: to find a spearing buddy. Imagine if there was an app that could connect you with other people that also were looking for a spearing buddy. Well good news, it's like a tinder for fishing. We've got the Fishing Trips app available on iOS or Android. Download the Fishing Trips app. Use the code Noobspiro in there as our referrer and find yourself a buddy, dive safer, and get your mates onto it too with the Fishing Trips app.
3: When, when you um,
0: do away with ego and attachment to your creations and you yeah. open up fully to the process of, Iteration and having that continuous improvement mindset. Do you think that that's probably one of the reasons why you've had some success as a gun builder because you're not personally attached to your creations? Like, do you look at your guns now from yeah. ten years ago, and you know that the guns probably you created ten years ago and the guns you create now are chalk and cheese? But do you still have a sense of yeah. pride about those guns that you created back then?
1: Yeah, what? yeah, hundred percent. Because they're always they're always a part of you. They're always a part of your energy process. Mm. So, like, a uh, um, the, the, the there's two answers to that question. One, yeah, you have to be, you have to evolve and change, and you can't, definitely, you can't get stuck in an idea. So, when I very first started building spear guns, to me, roller guns just made sense. They just make sense. From a, uh, like, I'm not a um a physics professor, but it just they just make sense, right? You can put yeah. more power for a shorter gun, blah blah blah. But like, um, I, I, for a long time, I was really you know just stuck on building rollers, and they're still like my favorite thing to build. but I'm completely cool with building a traditionally set up gun because you have to be open to the market. And the second the second answer to that is, yeah, like I'll see a gun that I've built for someone you know a year, five years ago even. And um, it really takes me back because those are the timber guns. I wasn't building rail guns five years ago, carbon rail guns. So, you know, you like hold this piece of timber and like, I remember shaping it and it's like, I don't know, it sounds maybe a bit, um, I don't know, maybe a little bit out there, but at the risk of being out there, I believe when you, when I, for example, or any craftsman, you know, shapes or creates something from an innate block of, Either steel or alloy or timber or carbon fibre, that finished piece—it's going to hold the energy of the creator. Mm. It's going to hold—it's going to hold part of that part of that process. Part of you has been forged into that piece, mm. and mm. so it's always going to be special. Those, those timber guns—they're always going to be special. Yeah,
0: I think at the risk of being overly sentimental too, I agree with you. Like, um, if you have a meal that's been cooked by someone for you with love. It just tastes yep. better than a meal that's just been cooked for you by, you know, like yep. a stranger who you have no sense with. You know what I mean? I think – and like, and that's just purely from seafood because lately that's been my focus with the 99 Spear recipes. But Love I think it. when you make stuff, definitely what you put into it does make a huge difference. So um, well, that, let's yeah. let's get into your spear guns. Let's talk about some of the components and stuff. So, so it sounds cool. like you, you, you started with this timber background and – then you've 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 expanded into, into pipe guns and along the way you've managed to start building your own uh rollers, your own handles, your own uh I do you make your own trigger mechs as well?
1: No, I don't make my own trigger mech. Okay. I have them made, so I've got a got a guy that produces them for me. Yeah. Um, everything. So unfortunately, the the cost of have me making them, yeah. it just it blows it blows your cost out. Unfortunately. I,
0: I talked to someone before about making the the like the machining the sort of the components to like set up and make these things like at, at scale, and yeah, like. Just to make a handle mould was like in the tens of thousands of dollars just to make one Absolutely. consistent handle all yep. the time. So it's crazy.
1: Well, that, that's, it's funny you say that. So that's, that's, that's two different things. So CNC oh, yeah. routing is obviously like, you know, and then tumbling is to make all of the components of a trigger mesh. Mm. But then to make like a, a, a handle, traditionally people use plastic injection moulding machines. And that's like, yeah, the dies for those machines, that uh, easily 10,000 bucks. It's crazy. And then what you're stuck with is that exact design for as many units as that machine will produce to have paid off that investment. Yeah. So it's a long, it's a long process. And you have to do MOQs, like minimum order quantities of like four to eight thousand. And imagine like starting a business, bro. Where you like, you (laughs) want to be creative, and you're like, "Oh yeah, okay, I'll just buy four thousand of the exact same thing." (laughs) Yeah, the
0: the barriers to entry are quite prohibitive, and like spearfishing, like it's still like people think it's a big a big thing. It's not like it's a very small world. No,
1: no, that's right. It's small. So then the so you know you just said something quite interesting. Like the barriers to entry they can be prohibitive if you think of it along those lines, but if you can think outside of the box, right? And this is where I, this is where I like think that Aquagat is sort of sitting in its own space is that um, if you can think outside of the box and learn how to make your own path, right? You suddenly, you don't, you don't conform to having to invest, you know, hundreds of thousands or tens, tens of thousands of dollars in the die, hundreds of thousands of dollars on, you know, overall product and lending. Mm. So, for example, like, I'll just grab, like, my – this is – I don't
0: know if you can see yep. that. Yeah, I can see I'm it. Right so we're out. looking at a handle here oh, for people that are just listening
2: in.
1: Um, there we go. So this is, like, this is a kind of a cool example of uh, what can be done with a bit of outside thinking. Yeah. So, like, this piece, this is this is a production piece now. Yeah. Okay, so this is one that I produced a couple of days ago for a gun that I'll show you in a sec. Um. But this started out as, where's my, okay, I'll show you what it started out as.
0: So if if, if if people are listening only and they and they want to sorry well if people are listening only and they want to have a look at some of the, the video of what we're talking about if you come to today's show notes at noobspirit.com forward slash aquagat which is a q u a g a t I'll link up a video here where we uh, have a bit of footage here from some of the stuff that Will's showing me right now but he's basically got a handle so sorry we will I interrupted you
1: awesome love it thanks for that Troy. So, so what it is is, um, like, just take a medium, for example. Like, this, this is the prototype piece that this production piece is now um, ha- is being produced from. So, like, this, this man, was like a block.
2: Yeah.
1: A, a, like, basically a block of polyurethane, <laughs> right? Um, and then I've got my, my best friend, the Dremel. Yeah. over here <laughs> yeah. and I've got, a, I've got some really good vacuum um, extraction systems because yeah. you don't want to be breathing this shit in. And um, you just get creative and make something, right, like yeah. whatever it is. So this is a, a Glock-inspired um, grip, right? The reason being that Glock have been – A, Glocks are pretty fucking cool – yeah. <laughs> um, they're not the best handgun on the market if, if you're, you know, a handgun shooter or whatever. They're, not, they're definitely not the best, but they're probably the most widely known yep. and probably the most widely used. And the reason I went for the Glock grip or that, that shape of the Glock grip um, was because it's been tried and tested for like 30 years. It's probably been in more like hands or hand shapes and sizes than, you know, any other any other handgun. Mm. So I thought, okay, that's probably a pretty cool place to start in terms of um, like a generic shape. Yeah. Because, I mean, prior to that I was making these crazy, uh, I'll see if I can find one, um, like hyper-ergonomic grips. Yeah. Um, which were just for me and awesome, but then like I'd spend so much time shaping, creating, <laughs> making moulds, casting parts, and then I'd put it into someone's hand and i like, Oh, the sum bit needs to go down by like five millimeters. Like, ah, shit. Okay, that's, that's cool. But like with this, it's like it just everyone just grabs it and it just works.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. So like if you and and I make these out, for example, my prototype pieces all yep. start the same. They start with either a block of timber or a block of um, poly. Sometimes a block of um, alloy, like billet alloy. And I use my milling machine, my drill press, my um, my Dremel, whatever it is, to create the initial part.
2: Mm, mm.
1: And from then, I'm not going to say I tell you exactly the process from then, only because it's it's taken me years and years to develop this final process of how to produce my part. Mm. But then there's a series, basically there's a series of um, mold making and and um, parts being cast mm. and to replicate this exact piece. Yeah. There's so many there's so many pitfalls and there's so many um but there's equally so many ways you can be creative and funky and and make your own parts without yeah having to invest in like crazy money in in terms of plastic injection molding.
0: I think sometimes too, like, and I can understand you protecting some of your IP process there too, because like you spend so much time developing it. And I know like I have the same, I've had the same conversations with Larry when I go down to the penetrator shop on the Gold Coast, you know, and he shows me some of the Mm -hmm. stuff he's Mm. doing and he says, you can't talk about this. Like, because, you know, like that, that R and D phase, like you're a one man band doing all this R and D and then, if someone else gets hold of it, like that, you know, you've spent a year of your life developing this thing. Someone else has just come along and copied it. It's uh, it's not really fair. So I can it's, completely understand. It's funny
1: to it. say, like, in in one way, um, I mean, there's there's lots of shit. Like, people will go through my Instagram from the early days, and you'll you'll get an idea of how it all started, right? Yeah. It's really basic, and anyone can understand that you make a prototype piece, you cast a mold, and then you make your parts from after that. Yep. That's like that, that there's nothing really in that. And in fact, sometimes I'll like, I just realize how fucking difficult it is to do. And <laughs> I think to myself, you know what? I don't know that anyone else could actually pull this off. Cause I'm like, after all these years, I still struggle with, you know, sometimes um, the medium might like change. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the mold just like something falls apart in the mold and you fucking, you got to start again. So <laughs> sometimes I think to myself, you know what? Like folks girl, go out, give it a shot. Yeah. Um, but it's not like, it's not rocket science. We're basically, you know, making a making a part, falling a mould and then, and then casting parts from there.
0: I've had a lot of people say, um, like with fins in particular, sorry to go back to that because we're talking about guns. But, yeah, yeah, no. You know, they were like, oh, it's, you know, $500 for a set of blades or whatever, you know, like how about um, I just do it myself? And then I had some mates that went out and did it and then they, they made like four versions on this. Um, they made a steel mold to get the shape yeah, of a, the, the bend in the and the blade from the pocket. And uh, by yeah. the fourth lot of um, these fins, they'd spent like you know <laughs> thousands of dollars and not still yeah. still did not have usable pairs of fins so i mean i think when you yeah. when you do something from the start and then you progressively learn over a period of years like you've you've developed all these problem solving things like you understand intuitively what's going on and um you because you, you've made all the mistakes under the sun i guess so it just saves you all that time now
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. sometimes you do have to learn the hard way you know sometimes um you've got to be really brutal on yourself when when someone comes back to you and says hey look this has happened with the product. You have to learn. You, you have to learn why that happened. Yeah. Um, you can't turn a blind eye and just hope that it was like um, I don't know, like a bad batch of um, of, of the medium that you're using. You've got to really look into it and realize, oh, actually, you know, I can work out. So, like, if I've ever had an issue, I've only had a couple of issues with um, actual the actual product, like the medium. Yep. And as obviously, it's always like replaced free of charge, like straight away but I always, like, at the very least get, like, that diver to send me as many photos from as many angles, explain how and why. Yeah. Because, like anything, you have to learn. You have to be able to evolve and and get better.
0: Yeah, this is another thing I think, too, some some people maybe don't understand, too. When you buy, like, um, handmade stuff from anyone and they are a one-man band, product failure happens whether you buy mass-produced stuff. In fact, I would argue that it happens more often. But, I mean, mm. the, the person that's making it and quality control, the quality control side of it is they need to inspect or see that item as much as they can so that they can understand and correct or rectify their faults because they don't want to make them again. Yes. Um, so that, that's 100%. that's definitely, a, you know, you're you're playing a useful part of that process if you can help facilitate that, I think. If
1: you buy I, something. I think so. We, I take it back to when I was, you know, selling seafood to restaurants and, like, the chefs after a long consultation process of working on a particular dish with a particular fish. And then, um, and then they, they give it to you as part of the, and, you know, they're obviously like all the restaurant owners and the chefs are testing. And, and it's like, everyone has to be really, really honest with their feedback. The ego, the ego can sometimes take a hit, but you have to give honest feedback in order to help that person. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah it's, it's the only way yeah
0: sparrows are often pretty honest with their feedback sometimes it's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just sometimes it's so blunt it's unpalatable i find after like i've just read some of the reviews that people have written for like other companies and stuff like not even like to, to, to detach it from myself personally um and, yeah. and i've just read it and gone holy shit
1: <laughs> that's rough. yeah yeah oh, the, the, the internet's a brutal place
2: yeah, hundred percent. It's a
1: brutal place. Yeah, yeah I've actually been pretty, um, pretty lucky, I guess, in in terms of um, comments and whatnot. I don't, I don't seem to cough, um too much. Yeah. But, um, but I think that's because you know, like I've got my ideas and I've got, I've got my my theories, and I've got, you know, like take a hypothesis and take it out and trial it and then prove that it works. But I'm never gonna say your product ships. Like, yeah. I'll never do that because it's not. It's like it's always got a market. I'm not going to hang shit on someone else's product, therefore making an enemy of everyone that has that product. Yeah. Why would I do that? Like, every everyone's got – there's a market for everything. Yeah. Um, and we're just kind of doing things a little bit differently. So I'm not going to hang shit on someone. you are going to keep that, like, philosophy going.
0: One of my things is, and I notice this, like, um, I am sometimes in the Adreno stores and I've just, like, the salespeople are busy and I'm in there and I'm standing around waiting for someone or something and someone's looking at a spear gun and I just get into a conversation with them and I start chatting with them and they're brand new and they want to start spearing yeah. and they're just like, a lot of them are just all about, you know, just the cheapest spear gun they can bind. And you, you get these, like, these, like, I think, you know, like, some, there's spear guns that are, like, 150 bucks in Australia. Like, overseas, I know Ooh. that they... Some of them are probably like $90 or even cheaper. But they're just these, these mass-produced things that have got zero accuracy, terrible componentry, and you know that that spear gun's probably going to be in a rubbish tip within 12 months of that person buying it. But th- that's yeah. the spear gun that a lot of these entry-level people want to buy because they're trying to do it as cheap as they can. And, I, and, I, and you've got a battle yeah. trying to convince them like, hey, no, just spend a bit more money because the poor man pays twice. You know, like all you're going to do with this spear gun is wound fish or miss yeah. them outright, yeah. and throw that thing in the in a rubbish pile, or try and sell it to some other poor bugger. Like, um, so yeah,
1: and and, and and in that same in that same breath is that they could equally be disenfranchised with spearfishing from that one experience. Yeah, yeah. And think, oh, spearfishing shit, you can never hit a fish. Well, no, you, you just yeah, what you said, the poor man pays twice. And bang on. Yeah. Bang on.
0: Yeah. I know too, because I did it. <laughs> I did it myself, man. just trying to be cheap. So, it,
1: yeah. everyone, does in, all, in all industries, like, we kind of, we're all we're all kind of guilty because we kind of hope, you know, we just hope it might work. Pro- but it's like, you know, never done.
0: Price sensitivity is a massive thing. Like, um, a lot of people are extremely price sensitive. Everyone loves to get a good bargain and feel like they paid less than everyone else. I don't know what it is. It's maybe it's part of that competitive mechanism. And
1: I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something funny, man. Yeah. See this? Yeah. This little, like, ratchet thing here. Yep my my eldest daughter was busting my balls to go into the two dollar shop because you know that's what you do when you're 13. You go to the two dollar shop. Yeah. Like I got this at the two dollar shop, and I <laughs> use it every every single day. And it's I just I'm waiting for it to break, and it just doesn't.
2: Nice. I can't
1: get over it. It's like the it's like my probably number one most used tool, and it was literally like two dollars. And that, that's that's very rare.
0: That's that's true though. Like when you find something that works and it is really cheap, like you just tend to love it because it it hasn't cost you what it should for the advantages as it's given you. So, I get it. So, um, your reels, your reels are 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 a bit different too. Um, I like how you've got this yeah. r- really sort of broad color range, and obviously that's come from your your hip hop graffiti type background, that love of color. Um, but yeah, um,
1: yeah, vibrancy, yeah.
0: How, how did you work out, like, um, how to do the variable drag system, like, how to make it, like, ergonomic and fit in well and mount well to a spear gun? What was that process of development and how many shit versions did you have before you finally got to what you, where you are now? <laughs> how
1: many shit versions? Okay, so the, the first answer to that question is I didn't reinvent the reel. Um, what I did was I, I looked around the market and I looked at, you know, what products are performing the best Um, and, and then I, I thought to myself, um, you know, I think I could do, you know, a more stylistic version, um, with some, you know, some different key features, right? So, um, I came up with, I can't tell you how many prototypes I've actually, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this now, but I've got this, I've got this bin in here, (laughs) which is just full of, um, of, of prototype pieces. Yep. I was having this conversation with someone the other day. Um, sure, like you, you've got an idea, like we're not re- we're not reinventing the wheel here and I'm not reinventing the real either. Yeah. But what I'm doing is I'm I'm, I'm changing it, right? I'm, I'm taking ideas and I'm improving on them yeah. in, in terms of the real, that is anyway. But in doing that, I can't tell you how many failures I had making this, right? The biggest one, one of the, the hardest ones, was see this for example like this is your internal de-washer yep challenge you to try and find them <laughs> just try to find an internal so this is from an eight mil yeah you, you can't you can't find an internal deep stainless internal de-washer so oh, i yeah. had them designed i had a guy i've got a guy who who makes my stainless parts he makes the trigger mix for me
2: yeah
1: um and i was like Mate, I just drew him a picture. I drew him a like, a, not even a cab, like a just a, a tech drawing yeah. with my specs. So um, he came back with those parts, right, which were key, key in the feature. So what it is is, I'll just pull these these things out, right? So this is your housing. This is the housing. So the we're looking reel. at
0: we're looking at the housing of a reel here for everyone just listening. Yep.
1: Yeah, and if and if you're just listening, it's the coolest reel really you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so this is this is the housing, right? Yeah. So it's made from the same medium that I make most of my parts from. Mm. So for example, like the eight mil stainless post is set in place. So it's never going to go anywhere. I've got a riser on there for a washer to sit yep. on.
2: Yeah.
1: So you've got a stainless eight mil washer. This is an eight mil post as well, which is a lot sturdier than what most use. Um, and then I learned early on in the piece um, after some customer feedback where they got dragged around by a 25 kilo Spanish in like, I think they were in like the middle East somewhere yeah. um, that I needed to beef up the stainless line guide. Oh, yeah. So now we've got like these stainless line guides in here because the mono was actually like cutting through the, um, the line guide. Oh wow. So beef, beef them up. Um, I then like took uh, so this is recessed as well. The reel actually sits in this recess inside yep. the housing. Okay. Um, and then I've made these um, these ports, essentially ports, to uh, to help out with any, um, you know, when you're in, on the reef on the bottom, you might get some sand in your reel just to to help ease any sand or grit or anything to, to fly away. Okay. And then we've got the spool itself. This is, it's not the biggest. It's not the smallest. So this holds about 45, 50 metres of, 1.7 mil dyneema.
2: Yep.
1: So the spool just obviously sits on on top like that, and that's your that, that's basically the reel in a nutcase, mm. in, in a nutshell, sorry. Um, your internal de-washer sits over the top as such. And then this is your grub screw. Yep. And I made the grub screws, like, really big and round. So like, you know, when you've got your gloves. Yeah, yeah, easy yeah, to nice. Grab. And this has a um, – I don't know if you can see that in there. That's got a, um, a stainless – 8mm thread inside okay. there, so it's never – you can never over-tighten it. Um, it's it's not going to, like, thread or anything like that, and mm. that's the real. It's um, a nice-looking – the little handle there spins and – It's a
0: really nice-looking um, functional unit, but that's why I was curious about the development process because these things don't start like that. They start somewhere else, and then they steadily get to where oh. you want them. So Well,
1: this is part of – this is, like, this is one of them. Yeah. Like, that's just, like – part of part of the, one of the ones I made oh, yeah. um, I'd yeah. have I'd have I'd have like probably 10 or 15 of, of just these things
0: with a <laughs> with rails there's a, there's a massive learning curve um, with regards to people coming into your shop or, or, or buying from your dot um, com um, if people yeah. um, uh, do, do you get a lot of new spiros that come and buy stuff like that from you? Do, do they just go straight? They, I, will, I want really high end good gear straight from the start, and they come in and they buy, uh, you know, like a mad roller with a reel from you?
1: Yeah, what will happen is there, Shrek, like people um, will find me via Insta or be referred to, to the shop or whatever, um, and they'll contact and we'll have a chat. And usually that new spiro, they really, really want like what they see because they they've fall in love with it for various reasons. Yeah. Um, but they're actually, you know, like in any any kind of, you know, when you start out in anything, you, you're not going to spend that kind of money on a brand new industry. Yeah. So they often just say, hey, like, I really love your staff, but right now it's too much for me. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, cool. Like I totally get that. If I could do it any cheaper, I would. But, you know, this is yeah. a premium product. There's, there's a reason it is what it is. They totally respect that. Um, and they usually just end up going to like a local dive shop or whatever. And, and I just refer them on to whoever I've been speaking to at the time at, at a local dive shop. Say, so, hey, go speak to this guy. Um, they'll, they'll set you up. They'll help you with the, the intricacies of learning how to dive. Yeah. like that's, that's not what I do. Like I, I can help you out there, but I don't specialise in that. They'll go away. You know, hopefully they'll get a really good experience from that dive shop. Mm. Um, and I, I see that as like a really cool potential. Like right now, you probably saw in COVID the, the, the Spearow scene exploded, right, with, like, new spearos, Everyone, every, a lot of people were were starting to spearfish.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I got a lot of inquiries, but, like, they didn't eventuate to a lot of sales, which I totally understood because they're, they're new, and I yep. don't expect them to. But I do expect them, a, a majority of them to fall off and the minority to stay in the sport and mm. come back and not spend a 1000 bucks on a gun. Mm. Of course mm. they'll do that, but that, that won't be straight away. That'll be in the, like in the next two years or something once they're like you know what i'm ready to i'm ready to step up
0: so that's your sort of your target buyer someone that's been around a little while knows they love spearing and then they really want to buy something a bit special
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly so I, i've got this kind of mantra that um that that i use in a lot of the, the social media um messaging that says um we're for meat function uh, <laughs> i think it's i think it's like coined from like a um some kind of architectural thing where they say form can't meet function or something like that.
2: Yeah. But
1: um, to me, and I, again, I'm, I hope I don't sound like a wanky here, but like, um, I'm mental for Italian motorcycles. Um, and so the, the form meets function thing to me is embodied in, for example, like the nine one six Ducati that Massimo Tamburini designed. Everyone would know it if they saw it. Yep. It was the it was the first motorcycle that came out in the mid '90s where. It was a, pro- it's a it still is a proper piece of art. And you know, Ducati collectors collect the Tambourini model to put on their lounge room floor.
2: Yeah,
1: wow. right. But this is a superbike. This is this like Carl Fogarty, Carl Fogarty, um, Troy Bayless. These guys won world superbike championships on this bike. Mm. So not only was its form absolutely stunning, but its function was on par. It mm. was a world class and world leading product. And so that's what I want to be able to do in spearfishing so that, yeah, you spend $1,000 or, or thereabouts on a spear gun, You want it to be that cool that it can, like, hang on your lounge room wall or, like, be hung in the the, the garage or your man cave and your boys come over or your girls come over and they look and they're like, whoa, what the fuck is that? You know, they're into it. But yeah. equally, it'll just really, it'll perform on that level as well underwater. Performance and form, where those things, you know, where that form can make function, that's, that's what I, that's the philosophy I take into every, every design
0: concept. Nubis, good news. Did you know that every pair of penetrator fins receives a protective layer of Kevlar 49 multi-axial reinforcement? You even know what that means. It means that it prevents chips and cracking. It means you're going to get longevity. Out of your fins, and that's exactly what you need when you're spending some dollars on some good fins. Visit penetratorfins.com. Get yourself a pair of reinforced, super tough fins with beyond industry warranty at penetratorfins.com. Use the code Noobspira to save $25 on any pair of penetrator blades. That's right. Use the code Noobspira to save $25 on any pair of blades at penetratorfins.com.
3: Trek, dude, you're killing it on the Noob Spiro podcast. Every guest, you get on froths on the spearing lifestyle, and the actionable info is off the chain. Over here at uh, Spearing Magazine HQ, it's the same, buddy. So many noobers are submitting their adventures, lessons learned, and pictures here at spearingmagazine.com. I just wanted to say that noobers can get an international subscription at spearingmagazine.com. Also, they can uh, check out our in-the-face apparel or get a subscription to the greatest spearing magazine, on the planet that's all right here at spearingmagazine.com i am jeremy gamble and uh man i love the Noob spiro podcast this is jeremy out
0: salt and water make for a deadly combination when it comes to dive gear that's why you need to visit oldmanblue.com.au they use the finest in materials and they make stuff to last they use 316 marine grade stainless steel in their loops and they source their materials and make their own stuff right there in Western Australia. Catch bags, cray loops, and more. Visit oldmanblue.com.au. Check it out. Talking about that, well, when you look around Ooh. at the spearing scene, um, who are the gun manufacturers and equipment manufacturers that you look at with admiration, and why?
1: Um, I like, I like some of the stuff that, um, like, you know, Mr. Joint. Mm.
2: I really
1: love his stuff. I really, yeah, man. I I really love his stuff, um, on, on many levels. Um, obviously timber guns, um, inverters and, and his grit and his machining, all of that stuff. I like, I really, really rate his stuff. Um, I like, I like a few of the, you know, some of the Greek manufacturers, some of the, the stuff they're doing in Europe is, is kind of like kind of up my alley. Yeah. Um. But there's no one that like there's no one that 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 jumps out that I would. Um, and I the, mean, only because I'm a, a spear gun builder, you know. I, yeah. I, I but
0: I. It but, but, yeah. but it's it's that that's partly why I thought it was an interesting question because it 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 shows you know like obviously when you become an artisan and you, you really love what you do, you compare yourself to what's on the market, but then you also realise how you're different and how you want to be different to them. Mm. And I think you sh- mm. I don't know, like some, some people like to make something cheaper than everyone else so that they can try and make profit. Some people like to make something a little bit better or a little bit different than everyone else so it fulfils a need in the market. And uh, there's definitely a couple of different ways to do it. So I did see your where form Mm. meets function. And I read the other thing. It says here, your vision is to create the most functional and funky spear guns on the planet. Um, So this inverted, uh, has that been sort of in development for a while?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, it has actually. It's been in um, constant testing because, like I said, it's my favourite gun. (laughs) Well, it was my favourite gun until this thing came along. So this is... um, so, okay, let's go back. This is the this is the inverter. I yeah. will get a bit excited here. And I'm hopefully I don't, I don't I don't stab anything. Um but again, this is a like again, this is a pro, this is the first prototype I made of the or the second prototype I made of the inverter. Yep. Um the first one was really heavily covered on my social media. I made a resin gun, yep. which was did you ever see that? Did, I don't know if no. you saw that. I've got it hanging up here. I'll just grab that for you. One sec, man. I'm just gonna pull our earphones out.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Cause you got to see this thing. One All sec, right. one sec. Uh, okay. Right, you there? Yeah, yep, gotcha. Sorry to leave you hanging in, in limbo there. Um, this, this thing, um, this thing again, right? This this probably will like go to the point of that I'm not like I'm out. I'm not out biting ideas. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to do things that haven't been done. Yeah. Um. So this thing.
0: He's Here just giving it a bit of a cleaner. It's
1: like, yeah, I just took the dust oh, off it. Oh wow! So it's actually, it's actually like a resin. Yeah, are you familiar with resin tables? A lot of people are familiar yeah, yeah, now with yeah. resin tables. So you where
0: can see through like the barrel. take
1: like two bits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that was the basis of this, right? Yeah. Is to form the outside. Like the outside is formed from timber, and yeah. I made a mold for that, and then the then I just. When I say just, then I poured um, resin.
0: And is it fully right. is it fully functional or is it artwork?
1: It's fully it's fully functional. The only problem is is that it flexed too much. Yeah. It probably flexed. I mean, it still shot and it still did everything. Uh, timber. If I was going to do this again, I think I would run a carbon fibre enclosure track to help that rigidity, yep. And then I might in these laminates because these are actually all like um four mil um laminates of yep. rosewood. So in those laminates, I would interweave carbon fiber in those laminates and that would give it the rigidity. Yeah. But again, like you have to try and see what happens, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and all right, so this has got the the the, the hyper ergonomic grip that yep. I was telling you about as well. So is this, that, is, this is one made out of timber, obviously. it's not
0: left handed, is it? No, this
1: is right-handed. All right handed. Oh, yep. Beautiful. The inverter and that had all the running gear that this one has. So um, this one is a straight. Well, it's got a resin. It's got a resin track, uh, but I wouldn't do that again. Um, this is just basically the straight um, rosewood. Okay. All right. And I've clad. So this is the the first kind of design that I came to market with with get um, about five years ago was the DR, like the DR series, a double roller. Okay. Um, and, it, and it's this same principle where you're taking timber and you're um, basically infusing carbon fibre into the top. Wow. to You create like a, um, a really stable uh, platform. These are enclosed track guns. Yeah, wow. Absolutely awesome, like fucking awesome gun this thing <laughs> And this, this one. I just don't want to like rip these headphones out of my head. Um, this has got the that again that that in that yeah. sort of hyper ergonomic handle. Yeah, okay. You can see that there?
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: Um, that's got that one, and this is this is the one that um that I can produce now. So like you know, if someone with a right hand, like a medium right hand, wants one of these, I can I can produce them now. Wow. Um, the running gear, the running gear here. Again, improvements that, like, this is – I would make improvements here. This thing took forever to build. This is the block, so the block and tackle. Um, (laughs) This is all made by hand on my milling machine. We're looking Um, at a
0: a super elaborate uh, rubber pulley system here by the looks (laughs) of it. It looks super elaborate,
1: Yeah, it it was just really tricky to build because it was all, like, it was all, like, hand laid carbon and then – it was all shaped on the mill by hand. Yeah. Um, but I've got I've got other ways so I, I would make this little block system now. Yeah. Um, and then the next evolution will have there are no pulley, there are no um, there are no uh, bearings in these pulleys. Okay. So I've just got to work out how to get bearings into like a really small pulley. Okay. Um, but that's the only other evolution I would do, and I probably would do away with some of these um side skirts. It would just be like a, a timber piece with the the pulleys sort of um cut out of the timber. So this this one I think I'm going to release probably in the next, like, six months, I'd say, with a bit more testing, a bit more design, development and testing.
0: Cool. How, how hard is that to load?
1: Oh, it's a piece of piss. It's like um, – I wonder if I can show you in here. No. Nah. Um, I never dry load guns, but, um, like, I hate dry loading guns. I just yeah. I really fucking freak out.
0: Have you, ever, um, have you ever thought about welding a shaft into a mech so that you can dry load? Guns and demonstrate um, for people.
1: Well, I've got a like there's a pool just like just outside. So oh. I can do it. I can jump in the pool and do it. Um, but yeah, now this one, I mean it's not it's not one that I really would like to dry load. So it's really quite simple though to load. Okay. I'll show you. So all I did there was I just popped on the first band. Right. So like the first band is now in place.
0: Yep. Ah, yeah, that. yeah, right.
1: So the first the first the first band is anchored here. Um and then, obviously, band two is anchored there and band three is, is anchored in there. Um, and then it's just a case of, you know, loading from, like, pulling the, the bridle over. Yep. It's really really quite a simple gun to Very load. Cool.
0: For the guys that want to see the visuals, if you go to noobspiro.com forward slash aquagat, I'll um, link up some videos, short videos today um, of some of the discussions that we've had because it's quite highly visual and... Um, But some beautiful work there from Will. Uh, Really, really uh, appreciate the look into it.
1: So the next one, Shrek, (laughs) is this is the one that I'm most excited about at the moment. Yeah. Um, I might grab I might scrap this one off the rack instead, one sec. This is the um the one we've just released, which I've called the D revolution. Yeah. It's an evolution slash it's the revolution basically of the double roller. Okay. So it's the, the evolution of my design, yep. right, which is carbon fibre enclosed track, hardwood body, yep. d- double roller. Wow. Absolute, absolute weapon. This thing, so this is a 105, so mm. I release them in two sizes. I've got the 105 mm. and I've got the 120. Wow. So um, the 105 will take out essentially anything like um, that you'll find in the blue water because it shoots a 75 mil shaft. Oh, yeah. The band band can be pre-stretched to up to 380% and your accuracy will not be compromised for various reasons, one of them being the carbon fiber enclosed track. Yep. The other being, obviously, it's a double roller, so um, your recoil is much minimised. And then little things, which a lot of people may or may not know about, um, palm placement and the height of your palm placement on the grip. okay. So... What happens here is that, again, I'm not a physics professor, but I don't need to be. What you got to understand is if you're with any gun, right, any gun that is, the higher up in the line of the shaft that you can get, like the closer you can get to the line of the shaft with your forearm, Mm. the less leverage you're going to have, right, and therefore the less recoil. So imagine your hands down like way down here, you pull the trigger and you get like a recoil like this.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Um, um, um imagine imagine you were just holding the butt of the gun and you pulled the trigger you're not going to get up and down leverage you're going to get straight backwards and forwards leverage I remember so watching the closer you can get
0: I remember watching all the Youngbloods videos back in the day and Brody Moss would shoot his um Rob Allens with two hands every time he'd have one hand bracing exactly. behind the thing and and so that yeah I mean minimizing recalls massive um part of spearing accuracy I think um, yeah. th- that's one of the advantages of having a bigger platform too is that it, it dampens that down a bit doesn't it and a, and a roller exactly. as well
1: yeah exactly exactly yeah so that's um so the d revolution is probably like my favorite gun to use at the moment cool um because it's uh it's real mounted as well so like you've got um hang on. let me grab uh where is it i'll grab one of these so this is the this is the real mount. And this is the part that holds the um the band anchors or well, it's the band anchor slash reel mount right okay. which i developed so here you've got your mount for the reel so mm. what that what i call the, the keep it really keep it real screw straight into that Wicked. and then you've got your band anchors on the rear side of that
2: so yeah.
1: um, when you're reloading the gun use a load assist you keep it under pretension all the time underwater but obviously when you're out of water, you you detention the gun you, you take that pretension off to save band life yep. um but it's just a really cool gun to use because you can run a reel and it's you can detune so you can pull one band off like when you're halfway down if you see something that's in the rocks or whatever you can pull one band off really quickly um and you've just got like a single roll off
2: um
1: it's uh yeah it's, i don't know it's just a very 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 versatile um very accurate gun and just a beautiful gun to use because again it's got these um well with the the timber classic that i make as well mm. so this is the um the ballast point so yep. it has a ballast point at the rear and a ballast point at the muzzle yep so um those are removable and you can like either add or take out um lead weight so you can be really finely tuned to your preference how that gun fits in the water and as it happens that 105 like it's almost perfect. It's mm. like really, really close to mutually buoyant. It's really flat without any weight.
0: There's a, there's a lot of uh, controversy and it's a little bit religious about how you ballast your gun. Um, can you give us a run through on how you believe guns should be ballasted and what the prevailing schools of thought are about ballast?
1: Yeah, so the, the basics of uh, my understanding of it is this. Um, obviously, it's every diver's preference, right? Like some divers will want it muzzle heavy, some will want it lighter. Um, and you can't. You can't please everyone because everyone has their own unique setup preference. The, the In general, the way I set these things up is that you want it to be ever so slightly negatively buoyant in the water. Okay. Ever so slightly. So it's got a very, very slow rate of sink, or, you know, just a, a, a slow, slowish rate of sync. um, slightly muzzle heavier is okay. my preference. And the main reason for that man is safety. So yeah. um, if, for example, God, God, forbid you! You've got a loaded gun and you drop it, and you don't have your line, your, your gun rigged to a line float. You don't want a fucking double roller, loaded, bouncing around in the reef, pointing up or anywhere close to up yep. when you're going to retrieve that gun. Um, Love it. But all equally as well, I find it. Um, I just find like with a little bit of weight in the muzzle, um, do you know, feedback. again, recoil. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's a nice little feeling. I found it quite nice. Yeah. yeah that's what I've been doing it
0: lately. Yep, nice. How about you? Are, you? are you
1: on the same kind of plane or
0: where are you at with that? 100%. I think, uh, I think as you talk about it, you just reminded me of all, all the good points, like the safety considerations, but also that I think it gives you that feeling of feedback in the, in the trigger. and You know, like you get used to how your gun responds as you as you hit that squeeze point where um, your mech releases. You, you get that, I don't know, it's the same consistent level of feedback out of the front of the spear gun um Mm. and and i guess the other thing that you're like in partnership with what you identified was with your hand positioning on the stock like if you've got that right and you've got that consistent feedback through the spear gun that's probably how you get used to a gun and and are able to predict exactly where it's going to shoot and you're going to be able to Mm. rely on it and not have to overthink it
1: i think it comes to um it comes back to the 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 topic of math as well right Mm. so if you've got, like, a for example, a timber gun holds more mass, it, they generally shoot, um, they're generally a more stable gun, right, than a, a carbon rail gun. Um, they, they will tend to sit in the water um, more steadier. And so if you have a bit more weight at the front of the muzzle, again, it adds to that stability. Mm. Whereas imagine you had no weight and it was feather light at the muzzle, you're going to have a really hard time controlling um, where your muzzle's pointing. And obviously your muzzle changes by
2: two degrees and you're
1: you're you're
2: missed by a foot. That's five mm-hmm. feet. Do you So yeah that's stability.
0: A lot of Sparrows seem to want to buy a spear gun and then immediately start changing the way it's set up. And um, sometimes I I almost feel like you know, like if you want to change yeah. the setup on something, then just go and build something from scratch yourself because
3: yeah.
0: quite often yeah. the manufacturers put things in place because they've put and they've put a lot of thought into testing into the setup that they've rigged the gun with. And if you can and yeah. if you continuously changing it and experimenting, then you just you you're not really improving on it. You're just learning all the same lessons that that manufacturer probably learned as they tested that gun with all the different setups. Hey what what's I can't your agree more. Yeah, okay. I can't agree more, dude. That's that's
1: so well put. Um I I would be um I don't know, from like maybe riding motorcycles, for example, you buy a bike, you want to, you ride it as it comes off the factory, but you always, you will make improvements to that motorcycle, right? Because that's a, it's a different level of, of changing things that the factory has made. They've made those factory settings because of, you know, emissions controls. So you want to change the exhaust or blah, blah, mm. blah. But you're not going to change on that bike. You're not going to change the wheel diameter. Mm. You're not going to go and fuck around with the geometry of the motorcycle. You might change some of the suspension components, that you're not going to change those things that come out of the factory. And I can't relate to that any more now than having done countless, countless hours of testing with, with all of the gun models mm. and knowing, like I, I know that like I run 330% stretch on on all the roller gaps off the, off the bat. Mm. Um, all my testing was done at 350, but I found that some people find it hard to load a 350% stretch. So, you, you know, detune it back. It's not going to be any less accurate. So I set it up with a 330% stretch um, and I run a 16 mil rubber and if it's a roller gap, it's a 7 mil shaft. Like all of those things have been like the test parameters where I know how far it'll shoot, um, to what accuracy. And sure, like divers have have bought guns from before and, and said, oh, look, don't worry about the shaft. I want to put an 8 mil in it. And I'm like, that, that's look, that's completely up to you. Um and it's fine. Like the trigger mech will take an eight mil. Um you might get a bit of shaft drop. Um, you know, you might want to increase the um the percentage. You might want to go to 350 or 360% to, to get a bit more um, you know, swing. Mm. But th- these are my factory, these are my like Aquagat Lab factory recommendations. Yeah. This will work. Um if you want to go ahead and change things, like no problem, but just be aware that like it's it, it will perform differently to, as, as mm. to how I've marketed and how I've, I've been finding the guns to shoot based on, you know, we've sold a lot of guns now. We've sold them all around the world mm. um, and we've sold them to like some pretty serious bureaus and the, and the feedback is, again, it's, it's really, really great to hear that kind of feedback because, I um, you know, I can piss in my pocket all day. It doesn't, that doesn't mean shit. When you send your gun to someone and they've spent good money Mm. Um, they will let you know if it's not firing right mm. or if any of those parameters that you've set up aren't right. So um do you, yeah, fact, yeah, stay with the factory
0: settings, guys. <laughs> do you think Spiros try and do too much with one spear gun and not just like make it like obviously you're selling spear guns, so you've probably gotta buy a stanza here, but mm. do you think that people should have yeah. more guns for more purposes rather like one I, of the one of the big problems though is is like like I have gone on zero blue water trips i've been spearing for a long time yep. i do not have the time or the money to do these trips very often i am going to get out and start doing them because it's my yes, heart's desire yep. but owning a you know like a 1500 spear gun that sits on the wall that i pull out for a three day trip once a year or once every two years seems like quite a a, a significant cost do you think that Spearers yeah. have similar ideas about most of it. They just want to have their two spear guns, and then when they go for a blue water trip, they just try and re rig it to suit whatever it is they're trying to go and do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, like a couple of points to that. So, I would probably have like, if I was to just have one gun that I was gonna that I would use, it would be this new Sea Revolution, right? Because it can it can do everything. Um, but that again, that's just me saying that. I know, like when you're lining up against, you know, whatever, 130-kilo-stripe-marlin, um, you're probably going to want a 140 with, like, four bands on it, right? Like, so there's, there's always going to be a case in point for having a bigger gun or having a smaller gun. Um, I, I personally use quite a few different guns. I've got my go-to at the moment, which I'll use. But equally, like, even though that's a 105 and it can, it can you know, track really, really well and, in, you know, short distances quite good, the Viz has been terrible here lately. It's probably a test, right? Like in Sydney, it's been horrid. So we only had like one and a half, two metres Viz in the harbour um, recently. And I've got this gun called the Baby Gap, which I <laughs> absolutely love. It's so it's the roller gap, but it's the, the smaller version. So you can get it in like 40, 50 or 60 length. Yep. And it's so cool because it's like literally like that big, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like 60 centimetres. Um and it's got ma- it's got crazy power. It'll still shoot to like four and a half meters. Mm. Um, and you can like get in caves with it, and you can shoot flatties. And um, that's an awesome little gun for using in like estuaries and mm. in the in the harbour and in dirty conditions and in caves. Mm. Um, and then you, I don't know. I might have um, I might have like a I think a fairly universal gun would be like a one ten, like a, a roller gap one ten, yep. um, which is going to take out most things on the reef that you're going to come across. And, and yeah, your occasional. Blue water, blue water species, yeah. but I, I don't know that. Like, because I've got the same thing as you said. I, I've actually got a gun here that I built like a couple of years ago, which is just like a completely mental gun. It's, it's an <laughs> inverter. It's like one twenty. It's got two kicker bands. It's an enclosed track and an eight mil shaft, and it's you know all wrapped in carbon fiber. And I spent like you know probably weeks constructing it, and I've literally like never used it. Because it's just like, what are you going to use that on? Have
0: you thought about doing a rental service, like with the blue water gun, to your existing customers? Because, I mean... um, Yeah, not
1: not, not thought of it, no. Because, I mean, I'd
0: probably pay, you know, like... I, I, buying one of those guns is a scary thought, like, and it's going to sit on my wall and do nothing. I, I'd, it's probably something mm. I might rent, like, because, A, it's purpose-built, and, B, I don't have to hang on to it, and I don't have to over-invest capital in it. And I can just give it back. Yeah. and If the rubbers perish and stuff, um, you know, like it's not my problem. And <laughs> I mean, it'll that's be like, yeah,
1: yeah. I was gonna say yeah. Uh, but, I it'll mean, get into the cost, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, you factored into your costs. I mean, you could have a a a, a case that goes out in, you know, your postage costs, yeah. and uh, you could have return postage already built into it. Um, just a thought. Yeah. That's a cool. That's a
1: really, really cool idea. I, to be honest, I've never even. Never even contemplated that. But yeah. um, like I've said, I say to everyone, I've probably said this like five times this week, I'm open to everything. Yeah. In business, you got to be open to everything. So,
0: I'm totally just thinking, you know, like if you, you have a pipe arrive in the mail, it's got a big blue water gun rigged and ready to rock. You can jump in the pool with it. Um, so, you you know, yeah. you, you borrow it for a standard period of, say, three weeks. You've got a week before you trip. You jump in the pool. You start having a bit of a test in it. You, you could even tell people the setup, the standard sort of um, pool setup, so they don't um, shoot their pool. And and then um, you know they yeah. get they get home from their week long trip, and then they've got time to pack it up and admire it for another couple of days before they have to send it back. And be,
1: that's, that's pretty cool, man. That's
0: probably, a, that's a cool thought. It's probably something I'd invest in. I was going to say another question I had was um, like you're talking about. With rubber and stuff like you have consistent 330% band stretch. Um, With shafts and rubber, like, well, let's just stick with rubber. Consistency with the batches seem to be a bit of an issue. Um, Do you recommend that every Spiro, regardless of what spear gun and platform they use, should stick with the same rubber brand? And do you have a preference? I mean, what's your, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, it's a bit of a Pandora's box, this one, isn't it? The mm. the the band thing, mm. um, because there seems to be like really, really defined opinions. Um, I found the USA latex for me works really well, um, and the sixteen mil USA latex. I, I enjoy using that stuff. I mean, it's like prime line rubber. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: that that works well. Equal. Having said that, though, um, like with everything in the world right now, supply is is an issue. Yeah. So, um, like I've had to grab whatever I can grab recently because there's just nothing in stock elsewhere, Yeah. Um, which is a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a, um, bit of a kicker, unfortunately, but it's just sort of how it is in terms of, I, I, I reckon you should probably stick with the same rubber. So, you know what your, um, you know, you know what to expect. Yeah. Um, you know, you know how long it's going to last as well. That's a big one. Like, you know, after you've dove with that gun for a number of times, you should probably, you know, trim that back because it's not going to be performing like it did the first, you know, couple yeah. of months
0: at least. Well, I mean, with, yeah. with firearms on land, you know, like the the level of control of the variables gets down and it gets very nuanced, particularly when you're reloading and stuff. Like guys are particular with the brass they use, the the Powder they use, how many grains yeah. of powder they put in the the projectile weight? It gets like super super geeky and nuanced, and people yeah. they froth on it. With spear guns, like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, sixteen mil rubber, and it's like, well, sixteen yeah. mil what? Like, um, it's so
1: it's so variable, dude. Like, yeah. As You know, like you you. Like I've got my my preference in terms of what we're speaking about, and that's based on I've done a lot of testing over the years, and yeah. I just found that that's like a very consistent it has been so far for me, like a consistent product. Um, but like you know, there's there's a debate to be had about the 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 14 mil stuff. Like I've never even gone down the road of the 14 mil stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't found the need to. Um, and I actually don't want to go down a bit of a like a rabbit warren without. You know, being fully prepared to investigate and do all the research and all the testing, so I can walk away, you know, with a comfortable decision that you know I'm going to run fourteen mil um, mm. rubber. Well the, um, well, the
0: the 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 physics argument is that you get a longer pull out of it, and like so, you get uh, instead of pulling the shaft for sixty centimeters, it'll it'll pull it for longer due to the diameter. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on it. I yeah. remember. The force triangle was uh, how someone tried to explain it to me, but um, it's like trying to teach quantum mechanics to a to a uh, <laughs> to a chimp. Unfortunately, think, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm the
1: I'm the same. Like I think the basic premise is like the the more stretch with like you know that that force um, being applied over a longer period. Yeah, for example, for roller guns is is, is ideal. If yeah. it's like really snappy and and punchy, it might work well on you know like a a big blue water gun throwing an eight, eight and a half or nine and a half mil shaft. Cause you need that massive punch to get the shaft moving. But like for a roller gun throwing a seven mil shaft, it's just going to be inaccurate. Mm. It's, I think it comes down to there's so many variables that you just have to, um, you know, work out what works for you and, and then just, you know, mm. work from there. I just, um. I'd hate for, I'd hate for, you know, like all of the work that I've done using the product that I have to be, to, to, to be undone by using like a, a shitty grade rubber or a rubber that's just way too punchy for the application, you mean?
0: Equalizing problems can be something that derail you. Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the, either the Frenzel and Advanced Frenzel video or the Mouthful and Deep Frenzel Equalization course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better and some of them are extremely relevant for freedivingfamil.com. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get off any course. Today's podcast is brought to you by Killshot Spearguns. Ed Martin makes dependable, reliable, simple spearguns that you can rely on. Check them out at Killshotspearguns.com, but it's not just me saying it. Have a listen to what this bloke's got to say about it.
3: Well, I just love Ed Martin's Killshot
0: Spearguns. They just shoot fish all day long. But it's not just the Americans saying it. He's even sold some spearguns in the UK.
3: That's right, Shrek, I just love a kill shot spear gun. I've been shooting bass and all sorts of cord and pollock and
0: God knows what down here in the lock and around and uh, this the end of my accent, but uh, yeah, I love kill shot spear guns. Keep them coming, Ed. You didn't just hear it from me. Buy American-made performance at killshotspearguns.com. Get $30 off any spear gun when you use the code NUBA on killshotspearguns.com. Sometimes with weather and commitments, it's a long time between drinks and your spearfishing journey. If you want a dry training program that can keep you in some kind of shape for spearfishing, check out Ted Hardy's 28 day freediving transformation at noobspero.com forward slash Ted. That's noobspero.com forward slash Ted. Now the 28 day freediving transformation is just a practical dry training plan that Ted Hardy will walk you through and it will help you get results, even if you can't get wet at the moment. Check it out at noobspirocom forward slash TED. Well, we've geeked out on spear guns a hell of a lot and I've heard bugger all of your story, so I want to get into that a little bit more if we can. Um, f- for guys that are listening though and are curious about following along, I'd, I'd encourage you to check out aquagat.speargun.art on Instagram and uh, Will communicates a lot about some of the stuff. He's very good at um, sort of telling the story of the development of the equipment and stuff and he's always got a heap of interesting stuff on his Instagram. I've been catching up with it over the last day or so. So, But with um, spear guns, before we move on to... Um, I want to hear one of some of your funniest stuff. Um, Well, was there anything else you wanted to close out that section with the spear gun chat?
1: Um, No, just go and buy Aquagat spear (laughs) gun, spear guns right away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. I think we're pretty good. We thanks so much for the chat on the uh, on the spear gun side, man. It's um, it's been really it's been really good because you got to remember, I'm just here in my in the Aquagat lab, just punching out products and and loving doing what I'm doing, and now. You, you, sometimes you forget there's a whole, you know, you've got customers out there, you got people like yourself who are actually, like, really interested in, like, yeah. this sector and what's going on.
0: Oh, no, it's very good, man. And your, your passion's contagious, so I could, I could chat with you for longer. Um, I'm conscious of time, though. I want to hear a bit more about your story. So what's, I mean, one of the funniest things you've experienced out Spearing?
2: Oh,
1: like, the, probably, like, the one story that comes to mind is it was, um, it wasn't even spearing as such, but I, I was diving. Okay. I was spearing at the time. And um it, and guess what's to do with? Who? Aqua dump. As coupon. you know, always.
2: <laughs> yeah, because
1: it's always funny to shit. Yeah. Mate, I was like diving um just one of my like, you know, local spots. Um and for whatever reason I was diving alone, which you know, we 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 don't we don't condone, but I was. Um and I had the boat with me. I was rigged up. I guess I really need to do some gun testing that day. Um <laughs> So so I was like, I don't get up, probably in like, you know, fifteen meters or something and I was diving the reef and I get um occasionally like I'll cramp up, my legs will cramp or whatever, but sometimes, you know when that like shit feeling comes along and you just can't dive anymore? Like <laughs> yeah. you have to you have to get rid of it. Like yeah. you just there's no two ways around it. So like I looked around, there was no one around. So I went over to the boat and there was a fair bit of current pulling. Mm. So um I was like, Oh, this is easy. So I just got like naked it was like the middle of the day it would have been like a weekday or something nice. um and so i just like i've got this i've, I've got a Hain tonto v17r and i oh, built like beautiful. a um dive platform on the back of it like mm. it's, it's, it's like marine grade MDS. so it's a big like dive platform so i'm like holding because so imagine there's like current pulling and i'm like holding onto the back like fucking butt naked, and, um, like, I just shit everywhere, man. It was fucking horrible. And um, I get back on the boat to put my wetsuit on, and I'm, I'm naked on the boat. And I look up, on the cliff there's these two people up there <laughs> who are like, just been viewing the whole thing, mate. They've been watching the whole thing. I was, like, slowly <laughs> embarrassed. I was, like, you know what? Fuck it. Nature.
0: It <laughs> could get doing an It ball. Oh, my oh, God.
1: That yeah. was horrid, man. Absolutely horrid. But I was kind of – I was giggling.
0: <laughs> I did that one day in the early days of the yeah. podcast. I was hanging off the back, taking a poo. And Turbo followed me around with a GoPro,
2: <laughs>
0: and uh, oh, I was old man. He was I was I was like because he's the sort of dude that chuck footage up, but he only ever put photo versions <laughs> up. So it was pretty funny. You're
1: gonna need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think
0: yeah. anyone needs to see uh, that. It's God. just uh, what happens That's to Doritos funny, after yeah. 24 hours in Shrek's digestive tract. There's
1: something, and also there's something weird that happens to our guts when we're out at sea and yeah. freediving. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, it's not normal shit. When you, you know, when you take those aquedumps, it's not normal. I don't know if it's just me, but, like, there's something completely different about that shit.
0: I think diaphragmatic breathing, you know, like, where you're, you know, like, sorry, sorry, tidal breathing, like, where, you, where your stomach's proper expanding, like, I think it does put pressure on your digestive tract, which, you know, like, there's a lot of discussion about, the ketogenic Mm. diet or or diving in a fasted state because your digestive system consumes a ton of oxygen and resources from your body. And so when you dive fasted, you, um, you're arguably doing it in a more energy or oxygen, uh, efficient state. And I think, but the other part of it is, is also you've only got so much room down there. So you've got a big full stomach and then you've got a big you know, you're finally actually filling your lungs up, which means filling up that bottom part first, it's got to put some pressure downwards. Um, Because a lot of people talk about this, freedivers talk about it too, taking massive shits in the pool. And they've got those super skin-tight hydrodynamic wetsuits on that take longer to get off than our ones. (laughs) And uh, so I think freedivers shit themselves more than Sparrow's do. But um, they don't talk about it because they're accountants
1: i know i know that's a funny thing right like i spoke to some like i can't remember who it was but it was more than one yeah. um who backed that thing they backed they were like you know they're free diving aficionados and they like yeah yeah i'll like come up and i'll just shit my wet wetsuit
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, my brother told me a while we ago a he, he did it out surfing and then um he just like oh, i'm just gonna go and then he just went, and then yeah. carried on surfing for an hour or so, and then came in, and he says he it took him weeks to get the stink out of his suit. So oh, that's fucking horrid, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: all right, well, um, Go and naked, the, get flipped by the tourists instead.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, and the rest of your dive bag. What are we? What are we dealing with here? How often do you get out diving oh, like, too? You are getting out more than once a month? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. I am I, um, I dive as much as possi- as I possibly can, based on um, workload, um, obviously commitments with the kids. Um, but now that I'm doing this full time, it's actually part of. It's, it sounds it sounds pretty funny, but it's actually part of the business. In that I need to test, like when well, I've got a new design, I need to go out and test it thoroughly. Yeah, love that. Um, So I have to go diving, Shrek. Oh, I've got to go diving. Oh, that's terrible. Um, so man, I'll, if, if the conditions are good, I'm out there at least once a week, at awesome. least. Um, and I love, I love my boat. Like I, I've got this beautiful Haynes Hunter, which like, I you know she's old school, but she's just like I love her.
2: So I sometimes
1: just getting, yeah, you know, like just getting on the water with the boat. Um, oh, any opportunity, any opportunity to do that is, um, I'll be in. So yeah, the conditions are like amazing. A couple of times a week. Yeah, awesome. there's, there's no shortage of divers that want to come out for a dive.
0: So head to toe, what's your equipment? Day-to-day diving out there.
1: So I'm using – I've got the um, uh, the Enegra Dive Arts, yep. which I, like, really, really love. Yep. Um, and then I've got this um, – I can't remember. I think the, the foot pockets are, like, Orca or something like that. Orca. Uh, I can't remember yep. what they are. Orca, yeah. Yep. Um, and the the suit that I'm running is actually a prototype um, of, a, cause I do want to do some suits in the future.
2: Nice.
1: Um, so I, I had a, I had a suit designed, it wasn't, when I say designed, it was basically like I picked, you know, the outer and then I had the logo put on it. So, yep. it's, you know, not, not changing anything cause I'm not, you know, you've got to put your hand up when you don't know, you don't know, like right? I don't, I don't know wetsuits. I just know what I, what I like. Mm. Um, and I'm not a wetsuit specialist so. What I've done, I've had, um, I've had a company come up with, um, with a design. So it's um, Yamamoto 39 with um, a Lycra outer. Okay. Really, really good quality suit. Um, really, really enjoying it. Um, so that's what I'm running. I'm running a three and a half mil suit through the summer. Um, I'm one of those divers that I get really cold, like really easily. Okay. And then once I'm cold, then, I, like I said, for some reason, my my hammies cramp, my, my calves cramp, and Got to be really conscious about taking on, um, you know, salts and, and hydration prior to the diet. So I'll actually run that five mil right up until like the peak of summer. What? Because um, I do feel it.
0: What do you use to hydrate?
1: I've got this um, product. I think it's called Dr. Seltzer or something. Okay. Um, it's just like a little, basically, they're salt like sodium capsules. Okay. So I'll run sodium capsules. Um, I used to take magnesium. Like I take magnesium before I sleep, yep. um, and that like I take that before I sleep anyway. But I'll do that like more so the dive pri- like the day before a dive. But I found actually taking magnesium in in the day just made me drowsy. Yeah. Um. So that didn't that didn't work so well. So then what i just worked out, man. The 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 key to me having a, a, a really good day's dive is to remember to stay hydrated because I think we forget. Mm. How, you know when you start to not be able to equalise and, you know, I'm sure freedivers have told you and all that stuff.
2: 100 like,
1: These are the signs, man. you got to jump back in the boat. If you're lucky enough to have a boat there or just take a, a bottle of water um uh, out with you, just stay refreshed, keep, yeah. keep the water coming in. And I thought like just chalk and cheese, so much nicer.
0: A, a quick pump here. There's a company in WA called Aquilite. And you can buy a box of these sachets. Okay. It's about 70 bucks, Ooh. I think, to get it delivered to you. I think there's more than 100 in a box. And um, yeah. there's three different flavors. You can buy the mixed flavors. And um, they sent me a box ages ago because one of the listeners uh, works there. And uh, this shit yeah. is gold. I um, like. I recently had light. coronavirus. And uh, one of the biggest things of yep. any sort of flu virus is um, dehydrated. I was just smashing them. And, uh, and but. Like with my diving Aqualite's made a massive difference to just not cramping as much I take one before I go out in a oh, bottle cool. and then I'll have another one in the car and and one of the other things is like um, being dehydrated makes you extremely fatigued and the back end of the day when yeah. you crash and you sleep for like 10 11 hours after a big dive day i I don't get that as bad with uh when I'm when I'm hydrated properly so
1: um,
0: it's in yeah yeah LWH, yeah. oh
1: cool, man! I'm gonna look that up because yeah. I'm always I'm always looking for an, a new solution. It's, um, I just yeah, ordered, so I just ordered a oh. box
0: like two days ago, so um, I I pay for it too. So, yeah. but they have sent me free stuff as well. But um, but hats off to them. Like when I was out on a charter and shit, like I'd have two of those in a in my water bottle in the morning with a like a, uh, yeah. you know, just a multivitamin, and um, that that kept yeah. me charging all day because I'm not in top physical condition, so I, uh, you know, like, full-on dive days, consecutive dive days runs havoc on me, so, yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Thanks
1: for that suggestion, man. I'm definitely going to look that up because, like, I I just, you know, ask my local pharmacist, you know, what's good for camp, but if, you you know, you're
0: experiencing, you know. Yeah, well, they make – Diving, then
2: I'm all
0: for it. I think they make their stuff – well, they started making it for, like, um, you know, like, they're getting 50-degree temps and stuff up there, like, with some of their mine sites and stuff. And uh, their workers yeah. get dehydrated, hectic. So they made it for that industrial sort of sector. and uh, But it just it just goes really well with what we do. So I love it. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. Cool. Um, awesome to hear you're innovating. Um, I wanted to ask you if you had any advice for would-be sort of innovators and creators that are interested in starting their own stuff in the spearfishing world. What encouragement would you give to yeah. them?
1: Um, what I would say is um, – let your let your like dream let your vision um make it happen don't just don't just think about it don't be bound by um a a prohibitive uh fabrication cost right look outside the box work out work out how you can you don't have to do things the way that they've been done let's put Mm -hmm. it that way Mm -hmm. um make it happen just just make it happen yeah like there's there's so much space in this in this um, market for, um, for innovation mm. um, and I think we you know from my experience like if I had you know had just listened to for example, you you call up some like look I want to make a I want to make grip or you know they're going to tell you about this $10,000 die, die cost for a, yeah. you're just not going to do it, but you don't have to do it that way. You can, um, you know, take a look at my Instagram, for example. Like, go back to the beginning, and you'll see how that thought. You'll hopefully it's visually um, manifested how the thought process all comes. Like, I'll draw. Like, I've got multiple pictures up here, um, for example. Like, let's give you a quick example, right? Like, that's 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 the real design. Yeah, nice. Like that that was drawn. That was that was drawn up. Um, Whilst I was at my full time job, you know, banging away, making phone calls to chefs, and I'm just drawing and having ideas, and then and then taking it to the lab and and trying and trying and trying and trying, and it, like the finished product mm. couldn't look any different from that. <laughs> it could not look any. you got to start
0: somewhere, then, but aren't you? it's
1: like you have to start, and you just got to just try. Mm. And the biggest the biggest motivational um, the biggest motivational se- sentence I ever heard was that Arnie Schwarzenegger um, uh, speech where he said, um, you can't be afraid to fail. It's good. Right? You can't be afraid to fail um, and you have to break the rules. <laughs> so if you go into that, right, not being, not being afraid to fail, like so many times I'll make a part and go, fuck, I've got like 200 bucks worth of medium invested in this and, <laughs> and I spent like two weeks on it. You have to be prepared to go, you know what? It doesn't work. Yep. Throw it in the bin yep start again and bounce back learn from it that didn't work because of x y and z write it down move on to the next thing evolve and you'll start to find that the success will come
0: love it well let's head on out with three faster paced uh questions and then uh I better move on and get onto the next interview. But um, Will, I've had an absolute you blast do. chatting with you. People can find you at aquagatecom or um, yeah. on Instagram aquagat I'll have everything linked up today at noobspear.com forward slash aquagat. But uh, Will, let's 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 get into Thank these you. questions. Um, who is your favorite person to go spearfishing with? My favorite
1: person right now is my mate Simon um and admitted he'll admit the same thing he's, a, he's not the best sphero but he's just a funny bugger awesome. he's a geezer he's got a greek background he's an absolute like he's like a, i swear he's like a half rocket scientist <laughs> you can, well, you, he can tell you stuff about electrical systems that you've got no idea about and it's just funny
0: during your 15 years or so spearfishing what is the single biggest lesson you've learned um
1: jesus that's a good question dude um I mean safety first, that's that's probably paramount. Um, remembering that you can't you can't just wing it a lot of the time. All right, cool. Um I I guess I don't know if that if that answers that well, but yeah, safe, safety, I'd say safety.
0: Yep. Yeah, cool. Oh you gotta be safe first, don't you? Before you know, like you can have fun when you're safe, but uh I mean if 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 your life's well, pushing in,
1: boundaries Yeah. Yeah, like you know, like we we first started diving, and, and yeah, you want to do twenty meter dives, but then can you do that dive safely? Like learn learn the basics and learn how to do it safely.
0: All right, cool. And la- last question, um, what is the spearfishing destination that you'd most like to go to?
1: Uh, NZ man. Yeah. The Kings. Got to get. I've got to get up there. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. have been
0: saying that lately. Like, um, there's been some frothworthy footage come out of there. It's a special place.
1: Well, man, it 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 is as as you know you you would attest to, and mm-hmm. and I, I'm not also not naive to think I'm just going to go over there and shoot a thirty kilo king. I'm well aware that that's like, you know, that doesn't just happen. But just to go over and experience that that um that country and that underwater country, um yeah, that that's definitely that's where I'm going first. Yeah.
0: Fantastic, awesome. Well, um, well, well, Brunker, everyone. Massive thanks for you to joining me today, mate. And uh, we'll catch up again in the future. We didn't even really get much into your own spear and story, but I really enjoyed geeking out on spear guns with you and uh, and just exploring what you're doing there at Aquagat.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Shrek, for um, for making the call um, and uh, and having me on the show. I really, really, I've always wanted to go on the show,
2: um,
1: <laughs> and so I, I really, um, I, yeah, I didn't want to like call you up and say, hey. Um, <laughs> uh, how about we talk about me for an hour <laughs> so I really really appreciate it man really really appreciate uh, the opportunity and um, and thanks for your time dude
0: I'm just glad Jason connected us awesome Will. well uh, enjoy the rest of your day brother you too man talk to you soon Hey guys, mad episode today. Handcrafting Aquagats with Will Brunker. What a cool dude. Uh, really really enjoyed this chat and uh, really like bringing it to you and the opportunity to do so. Thank you guys so much for your support of the podcast. Whether you're leaving reviews, whether you're a patron listener on patreon.com forward slash Noobspero and you support the show on an episode by episode basis. However you support the Noobspero podcast, even if it's just telling your mates about it and enjoying the heck out of it. Thank you so much for your support and uh, hey come back next week it's another spear gun nut this guy's this time it's Ocean State Spear Guns from the east coast of the US it's Matthew Novakovich and uh, Ocean State Spear Guns on Instagram if you want to check him out and see what he's up to it's another timber Spear Gun uh, dude building really cool cuttlefish shaped barrels and uh, and doing a heck of a job so come back and again, as usual, if you really want to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash jump on there and join 50 other legends helping to power the podcast. That's it for me today. Over and out. Adreno stocks equipment for noobers. Your gear needs for all things freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno spearfishing team froth on helping customers learn about the latest in equipment, local diving, upcoming trips and events for Spiro's of all levels of experience. Visit them in-store, everywhere and chat to one of their friendly team members. Take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code to save $20 on every purchase over $200. That's right, you can now use the code Noob Spiro, one word, in-store or online at adreno.com.au or visit one of their stores, talk to one of the stoked Frothing legends in one of their Adreno spearfishing stores today. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. User code NoobSpiro in 2014 neptonics combined forces with spearfishing solutions and relocated its headquarters to tampa florida they now sell to over 60 countries worldwide with brick and mortar stores in florida santa cruz and long beach california take advantage of the noob 10 discount code to save 10 percent on all orders shop with neptonics.com it's solid gear that works equipment you can rely on neptonics is the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing essentials free shipping on all orders over $99 in the USA. Use the code noob10 to save 10% off your order as well. Visit neptonics.com, save 10% with the code noob10.